Hey, what's going on, Change Church? I'm Alex Salvatore, and uh, we have Kirby, who leads our kids' ministry, leads my kids, Keenan Clayton, and I know that you do such a great job because my kids love you, and I'm grateful for all the time you put into it. And I'm grateful for our pastors, Elijah and Ashley, for even allowing us to have the space to talk about this. And we're going to be talking about racism when it comes to kids. How do you talk to your kids about this, and uh, how, you know, how do you approach this conversation with uh, young ones, teenagers, and so we're just going to get right into it. I think it's going to be great. It's going to be super great because we're both educators and we're able to kind of help you parents at home or anyone who has children that are around that are going to have that conversation um, because as parents know, we don't always get to have that initial conversation or we don't always get to hear um, the heart behind it. Like I know my son is really comfortable with his aunt where they may have conversations. So if you're around kids and you need to have that conversation, hopefully this helps you kind of break down that barrier and not be so tense when you have the conversation. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes these conversations are awkward. Like I'm even sitting here thinking like, I want to say the right thing and ask the good questions and everything. And, you know, sometimes there's that fear to back away from having conversations because it's awkward. But I feel like when we feel that awkwardness, we should just face it and embrace it and see what God can do with it. So, you know, uh, this conversation, I hope it's good. I hope it helps brings us closer together, brings more understanding. And I'm just going to embrace my awkwardness. <laughs> so please bear with me because I know Kirby's going to make everything look great because um, she just has that way. But uh, we're just going to get right into it and just embrace that awkwardness because I feel like, you know, a lot of people don't, a lot of parents, a lot of people don't have conversations with their kids because it's awkward and it's difficult. And like, where do you begin? So I'm just going to ask you like point blank. How do you talk to your kids about racism? I have Aiden, um, How who's Aiden? probably watching. He'll be eight by the time this airs. So, eight. hey, Aiden. Happy birthday, Aiden. <laughs> um, honestly, if I can, if I can really be honest, um, the bulk of my emotion with everything that is happening is. I have to eventually have this tough conversation of Aiden being a black man in America. And that to me is probably um, the most hardest thing to wrap around my head because in my head, uh, people aren't going to look at him and say, oh wow, he's you know fun, smart and athletic. The first thing they're going to see is, oh wow, he's a black man walking up to me. And to kind of wrap my head around, like I'm mama bear, so it's like wrapping my head around someone looking at him different just because of that and not knowing the person behind it. Um, it's really tough, like trying to trying to navigate it, honestly. Um, he's in this great world right now where, you know, his closest friend is white and his his closest friend's sister is like his little sister and oh, you know cool. we're like all hanging out together and I have friends that are white and of other nationalities and so he's in this world where eventually I have to be the one to kind of pop the bubble for him yeah. to kind of make it be realistic and so I'm so thankful that I don't have to have this conversation with him alone um he has so many male figures in his life that um, can attest to the conversation in Porin because I would be, not will be, I am going to be 
like a ball of tears <laughs> when I had the conversation. You know, I saw a post that showed a little boy holding a sign that said, when do I go from being cute to scary? Mm. And it's like, at what point does Aiden become the, the black male that people are scared of or tense around? So honestly, um, with everything that's happening, that has been what I've been trying to process. I know that I have to have a conversation with him, yeah. but how to have it, um, I'm wrapping my head around, honestly, because when police pull you over, like I have to teach him, hey, do this and make sure you keep your hands on the steering wheel and make sure you're, you know, um, you're asking permission before you move. Don't make any sudden movements, you know. When they ask you a question, make sure you only answer that question. And so, Alan, it's going to be hard. Yeah, it, it's, it's crazy that you even bring that up about teaching your son how to pull over or how to act when he gets pulled over from a cop because um, that's something, like, my dad never taught me, you know. Um, I was only taught, like, pull over and just know where you're Registration is, you know, that's all you got to know. And uh, I was on staff at the church with a friend of mine um, and he um, was having a kid and he was telling me about like, just what's going to be like um, bringing up his kid. And he's like, you know, as, as, as a black man, I have to teach my child what to do when they get pulled over. And I was like, oh my goodness. I'm like, that's not even a thought mm -hmm. for me. You know, right. I, I'm, that's, that never even crossed my mind. And it's something that's already on your yeah. mind, you know? And I've been thinking about that. And even even the small things that happen with Aiden, like, you know, when he gets angry about something, it's like, no, you can't be that angry. You can't show that big emotion because if I don't train it now, when he gets older, that can go left really quickly. So mm. it's teaching him the small things. It's me putting in my mind of, what kind of man am I raising? Which yeah. I feel all parents kind of have yeah. that, you know, thought process. What kind of adult do I want to raise? Yeah. And how do I, how do I mold it now? Yeah. Not just letting him be angry and letting it be okay, but understanding as a man, period, you can't show your emotion like mm -hmm. that. You need to learn how to control your anger. Yeah. And as a black man, you definitely need to learn how to control your anger because that could be the last time, you know, I see you. So it's like really trying to just mold and have small conversations now. Yeah. That way, when the time does come for us to have the big conversation that yeah. is not so foreign. Yeah, no, I like to having the small conversations now and kind of building that, you know, relational equity with like your, your child. Like, you know, don't let the first conversation, real conversation have to get, be about something serious. Like already just build in with those little conversations here and there. And you know, it, it's, it's, it's interesting to me here you say um, that you don't want Aiden to fall into certain stereotypes, especially like with his anger and all those kind of things. Cause I'm Italian, like I'm a son of an Italian immigrant. My dad came over uh, when he was, when he was a young guy. And so for me, you know, being Italian, like, we're okay with, like, we're not angry, we're just passionate, right. you know. Um, but for Aiden, he doesn't have that 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 leeway. Can, can you mm -hmm. talk about, you know, maybe breaking down the stereotypes 
that sometimes you know um, Aiden may face and some some of the stereotypes that that, that you face as as a mom. Um, he's gonna face being the angry black guy, like how you said, like your your family is known for being loud and you know voiceful oh, <laughs> and you know that's what you're known for. But when him and his friends are loud, it's a it's a fight. Hmm. or it's frowned upon, or they're too loud, and so therefore that's not okay. Um, we're really trying to instill in him now to be a leader and not a follower. Like, that's something really big. Of course, everybody wants their child to be a leader, but I feel like for a young black male, you can't be a follower. You have to know the difference between right and wrong. You can't be okay with what your friends are doing. You need to speak up when they're not doing what they're supposed to, and that's whether your friends are white or black or whatever, yeah. like that conversation, you know, needs to happen. And he's going to be looked at, I mean, honestly, just the stereotype of him being athletic, like, oh, you have to play basketball or you have to play football and that's it. Yeah. Aiden is a math whiz, like... Mm. He loves math. That's awesome. And so, I hate math. <laughs> <laughs> You're a teacher. You can't say I, that. I, I'm sorry. We, we can cut that. We can cut that up. <laughs> but he loves math. And so to know that people are going to look at him and automatically associate him with the basketball yeah. or associate him with the football. Aiden loves baseball. Yeah. That's not a really big, like culture thing for us to play baseball like yeah. that's not you know he loves it that's like his heart and his passion so he's going to have the stereotype of um he's only supposed to be athletic and yeah. that's it or he's dumb or he's a thug or you know um he's dangerous or you know he starts giving his opinion and you know he thinks he's better than everyone and then now someone is trying to tear him down because let me remind you that you're not better than me yeah. because of how they were raised. So it really comes back to the conversations that you have with your kid. You have to be open to your kids being vulnerable. Yeah. Like you have to be vulnerable with them um, and allow them to express themselves to where they're, they're openly processing it and you're not telling them what to say. It's okay for them to feel certain things because in their mind, they're different. They're experiencing things different. You may think you know what's going on, but you have no yeah. idea what's happening in like their tiny mind. So having that vulnerability between the two of you um, is going to open up the conversation for what's to come. Yeah, and it's interesting too, because you know, for me, you know, I think that's part of like the white privilege is I don't think about those things with Keen. You know, I think people try to try to say like, you know, what, what's white privilege? And I, I think sometimes, you know, for for the white perspective, it's, you know, white privilege isn't a thing because like white people have, have struggles too. You know, it's like, well, I've struggled like white privilege isn't a real thing. Like white privilege is a real thing because the fact that I don't have to worry about if my son gets pulled over, uh, the fact that I don't have to worry about the stigmas or the stereotypes that my son will have on what sports he plays, but you, those are things that, that you think about. Um, to me, that's, that's the tension, you know, and I feel like talking about this can help define some of those things that I feel like are hard to, 
articulate. Yeah. But I think what, what you're saying and, and, and what we've experienced, you can see the differences there. And it breaks my heart that that, 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 is, that is a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I think having these conversations, we can help, you know, maybe bridge, bridge, bridge those gaps. You yeah. know, um, you know, you said before about being an educator and what, what grade do you teach? I teach kindergarten and first grade and I love it. Awesome. I absolutely love it. Cool. I love the the difference in my groups. I have a very mixed class, um, which is a lot of fun. Um, and we're able to have those experiences of different cultures. Yeah. Um, and that I've been blessed to have a very good um, multi, multicultural um, class every time I've taught that's every awesome. year. So that's been very fun. That's awesome. Teaching K and one. K and one. Pulling double duty. Oh At my goodness. The same time. That's, yes. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to be teaching fifth and sixth grade. So like that's. I'll help you out. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'll definitely be <laughs> calling for some advice. You know, when it comes to education and racism and, and, and some of the, the challenges and some of the things that can come into the education system where students aren't just dealing with whether or not they're going to get an A or B on the test and that being their only challenge. Um, there could be other challenges too. Can, can, can you talk a little bit about um, maybe some of your own experiences with racism, you know, growing up as a student, maybe some of the things you experienced as a teacher? Um, <laughs> yeah, um, I'll say like my first time experiencing, experiencing it, um, I was eight, third grade, switch classes, um, switch schools. And I had a white student walk up and he was just like, you're ugly. And I was just like, okay, <laughs> all right. And you know, you're, you're dumb. And to me, I was just like, he never came out and said, you're ugly because you're black. Mm-hmm. But I paid attention and noticed that he was saying it to every black girl that was in the wow. classroom. Wow, you're eight years old. And I'm eight. Wow. And so, you know, that happened and even experiencing it in the neighborhood because I came from Houston, Texas. And so therefore mm. being down south, it's like Southern hospitality. Yeah. So, you know, cops are riding past and I'm saying hi to them. Mm. And the kids that live on the street are like, you're stupid. Like, they don't care about you. And I'm like, oh, they do care about me, you know, whatever. Mm. As a child, that's what I know and believe. Um, but I can say my first big experience of racism that was blatant to me. I was in high school, um, I was on the volleyball team and I had some friends uh, from a neighborhood that I was always hanging around and they came to watch me play, it was like four guys. Hmm. And so they had their pants sagging and the hats and the coolest guys ever, like they were so supportive. I mean, they came to watch me play volleyball, like, you know. That's pretty cool. They probably had nicknames, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> like we had Twizzy and Scooter, you know, all these different names. And so- You know you're cool when you got a nickname. <laughs> right. And so they came, they come to my game and as we're leaving, the entire football team is walking behind us. Hmm. And I'm looking like, okay, what what's going on? And they're like, they stole our stuff. Wow. And I'm sitting here like, they were watching me play the entire time. How did they steal your stuff? And it, it just went back and forth. And so finally we left um, 
no fighting or anything. It was just like, all right, guys, like, let's just go ahead and go. Well, I get to school the next day and I get called to the dean's office. And he's like, you know, I heard um, things were stolen out of the locker room. And I heard that you had friends that were not from here and wow. I need their names. And so I'm sitting principal. here, the principal, and I'm sitting here like- Asking you to get names. And I'm just like- Demon ask for your perspective. No perspective, no, no proof. It's wow. just, you're going off of what some kids say. And so in my head, I'm like, I know they were sitting there the whole time that I was playing. And so I said, well, I don't know their names. Like Twizzy, Scooter, no, you're gonna give me their names because this is what we were told and we need to know what school they go to. Wow. And, and so I'm sitting here defensive because I know my friends. And so I'm like, there were other people that were there. Why didn't you ask them? Mm. No, we're asking you. And if you don't tell us, you're gonna get suspended. Wow. And I'm calling your mother. So he wow. calls my mom. Not even trying to get both sides. To the no, story. no. And I'm just sitting here like, what the heck, Kirby? You're about to get suspended over something that you didn't even do. I didn't even have. Listen, I didn't even know what was going right. on. You're just playing volleyball. Did you guys win? Uh, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I had a good game, but <laughs> team was probably not. And so it, it came down, and I'm talking to my mom, and my mom is an educator, and she's mm. like, when when they ask you a question, you answer. And I'm like, but they didn't do it. I know they didn't. Wow. And so two days later, I didn't get suspended. Thank God. I I did a lot in the school, so that probably helped. Um, but two days later, one of my friends that was on the team came and he said, yeah, we found our stuff. And I'm like, okay, where'd you find it? One of the teammates, little brothers, wow. took their stuff. So who's his little brother? I don't have a little brother, but thank God. <laughs> <laughs> but but they didn't even take that into consideration. They didn't take it into consideration. And that was that was the first time that I, I had to stand up for something um, that wasn't right because mm -hmm. in my mind, you're only going after them because one, you don't know them. Right. And two, because they're black at a volleyball game. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. of course, I'm pretty sure in his mind what thugs are going to go to watch a volleyball game, mm -hmm. not even paying attention to the fact of, you know, these were actual friends that... Yeah just wanted to support me. Right. And, and even using that word, like, is there, isn't there another word that you could say to, uh, to describe your friends? You would think, but I feel like, um, like we've spoken about this, the things that you watch and that you um, feed yourself mm -hmm. kind of, you have no filter and that's, that's what you're feeding yourself. So that's what it is. And when you watch a lot of movies where the black guy is, you know, the thug in the movie, then that's just what they all are. And all black people are now the same. Right. Which is pretty interesting. Yeah. You know, you like you saying that the principal didn't even, you know, try to get both sides was calling your friends certain names like thug and things like that without even just asking them what their names really are and all those kind of things. You know, now that you are an educator, can you speak a little bit about like what you see as an educator when it comes to um, racism? And you know, one of the big words right now in education is equity. You know, when you want students to have equity, equal chance, equal opportunity to learn. Can you speak 
It sounds that? great. And that's what um, and that's what you hope for. And as a teacher, that's what you strive for um, in your classroom. But I have seen teachers just disengage from their class before they even get them. Like mm -hmm. when you have a, a multicultural class, it's like, oh, I get to do this and I can do that and I can do this. But then when you know that you're getting in all African-American class, it's like, oh, I'm gonna have to deal with this parent or I'm gonna have to deal with this or, you know, I'm gonna have to uh, work harder to get them on the right reading level and things like that. And it, it it's so frustrating because it's something that they can't change. Like, yes, you, you have to do your job. <laughs> it's, you know, you have to work a little bit harder in certain stances, but not all children are the same. Right. And so it, it just gets frustrating or... When you see a teacher not even get to know their students, but already stereotype them or, or just Yeah, kinda... that they're dumb or, you know, a clown, the class clown. Now I have a class full of class clowns and um, not understanding the culture. And like I can say when I taught, um, I taught an Asian child and when I would talk to him, he would never look at me. And as I spoke to his parents about it, I said, you know, when I correct them, he doesn't look at me. And for us, you're supposed to look at the adult mm -hmm. well in their culture. That's a sign of disrespect. You don't do that. And so when you don't take the chance to learn the culture that you're teaching, wow. it, it changes things. It's amazing, too, how even something like that would be so easy to overlook, a student not looking at you. But when you take the time to understand that student, that student's culture, that them not looking at the teacher is not a sign of disrespect, but it's actually a sign of respect. Right. Having that understanding can help you reach and teach that so student much so much more. Because for me, when I was looking at, into the teacher, it was because I was being disrespectful. It wasn't because I was being respectful. Because <laughs> you don't care. Because I don't care. I, I, was, I was mad at the teachers. I was going to show it. But just having, just take to take that extra step to learn about um, that student learning about that student's culture can help you connect and teach and reach so much more. Um, it, it's, it's amazing. Like, what a great picture that you yeah. painted. You can look at it on the teacher perspective. And then because we're both parents, we can break that down to being parents where if we're out, I have to make sure um, what's being said, the jokes that are around Aiden, mm are filtered. If nobody, listen, parents, if no one is going to stick up for your child and filter what your child watches and hears, it has to be you. Mm. It has to be you. That's good. Because I don't, I don't allow that space around him because you can't speak that into him. You can't speak that over him. You can't speak that around him. If a joke is made, I don't find it funny. So now I don't have to teach Aiden that it's wrong. He's he's picking up on my cues. He's mm -hmm. picking up on, hey, that joke made about this person yeah. is not funny. My mom didn't laugh, so now like I'm not going to laugh at that. Mm -hmm. And and I feel like it's funny because um like I we have our own stereotypes that we put white people in mm. and, you know, things that are funny and not funny. Like, like what? I'm just curious. 
Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> Let me get real here. Whatever. <laughs> I grew up thinking that white people didn't get cold. My mom didn't have to teach that to me. I probably was driving around and saw a white person eating ice cream with shorts on in the wintertime. And in my head, hey, you don't get cold. But taking that joke, that one time thing that I see, if I joke about it in front of Aiden mm -hmm. and I laugh about it, I don't have to teach him that yeah. he's hearing it and he's mm -hmm. picking up on it. So now when he gets older, in his mind, white people don't get cold. Then mm -hmm. he sees someone in shorts. He's cold, but they're not cold, mm -hmm. but it's going to trigger it. And I feel like when you have those stereotypes, like parents, we are not immune once you become a parent to what we grew up with. Yeah. The stereotypes that we heard, the things that we've watched, the jokes that we've heard or made, mm -hmm. we're not immune to that. And so when you don't acknowledge that, hey, this joke is not funny or this is actually wrong, your child is picking up on that. The wow. way you don't have to teach them things, yeah. that's, that's what they pick up on. It's, it's, it's so true that you say that about parents taking a proactive role. Because I remember when I was younger, um, um, back in the day when like Randall Cunningham was the quarterback for the Eagles, <laughs> loved Randall, ultimate weapon. Um, oh, you're a true blue fan. Oh, I bleed eagle green when we lose and when we win and, and all and, and everything between. Um, I remember when I was I was younger and had a bunch of people over the house and um, and we were watching the Eagles play Randall Cunningham and I heard one of the people that that we were with was like, oh, Randall Cunningham, he's just a monkey with a coconut, you know. Uh, and like I didn't like I didn't pick up on like the weight of that, you know. And um, you know, I remember getting ready wow. to go to school the next day, um, and I was like, "Man, I ran a Cunningham. He's such a monkey with a coconut." And my mom was like, "You can't say that." She's she's like, "Do not say that. Like that is not appropriate." And I was like, "Wow!" And it like struck me because like I'm just thinking like you know cartoons like no big deal but like right. like the racial implications of that statement um for my mom to correct me like i don't remember a lot from sixth grade you know <laughs> what i'm saying but i remember that, I remember that. Yeah, but i remember that and that like made an impression upon me so the fact that as a parent it's important that when you see things to speak to things right yeah you have, you have to you have to to speak up and and you have to be aware that your children are um, oblivious mm -hmm. to what's around them. Um, they pick up your behavior and they can sense when you're angry and when you're upset and um, you don't have to teach them things. They... Yep. You, there's actually a term, we're gonna give you a little insight to like the educator side oh, of things. Teacher so we're gonna get some teacher jargon, you know, <laughs> there's a term that is called silent curriculum where you're teaching things in the class how you behave, how you teach, what you um, correct in students, what you don't correct in students. Mm -hmm. um, that's called silent curriculum, where your students are picking up things, not for what you're teaching, but how you're behaving. Mm -hmm. So I think as a parent, there's silent curriculum that goes on where the things that we address, the things that we don't address, you know, kids are sponges and they pick up on that big time. Pick up on everything. They pick up on everything. and. And it's not so much as, 
hey, let's have this black and white conversation mm -hmm. or, you know, let's have this uh, this Mexican conversation. Like, it's not, it's not so much as that, but it's understanding um, you are raising human beings. Mm -hmm. So the human beings that you see on post and Facebook and Instagram and you're like, oh my gosh, why, why didn't your parents correct you when you were younger? You're the parents, like yeah. you're you're the ones who are now having to mold um, our future. And it sounds so cliche. Yeah. <laughs> it really does. But it's so true that you um, that you can overlook it. You mm -hmm. can overlook that responsibility that you have um, of raising your child correctly, whether it be a female or a male. Like you're you're the one who is helped helping them mold their thoughts yeah. and how to express themselves and how to speak and how to treat others yeah. by how you're treating them and yeah. how you're treating others around them. That's true. You know, like there are so many outside forces that mold us and influence us, you know, especially the church. Church has a way of molding us, influencing us. You know, I mean, I mean, for me growing up, I was in church on Sunday morning. I was at church on Sunday night. I was at church on Wednesdays. You know, it was like, the majority of my week, you know, was like school. And then the next thing was church. Okay. Um, can you speak a little bit to some of your experiences with racism in the church? Because sometimes, you know, um, Sunday can, you know, Martin Luther King said that Sunday was the most segregated hour um, of the week was mm -hmm. that that hour on Sunday. Um, can, can you speak to some of your experience in the church? I... I went to a Catholic school, even though I was not Catholic, um, all through elementary, middle school, and high school. And I, I guess you can say a lot of things for me were sugar-coated because in my mind, it's because I'm not Catholic hmm. that these things are said or these things are done and um, I get this response from this person. Um, but I can say, I've, as an adult, I feel the segregation um, in the church because you have, oh, I'm going to go to this Baptist church and it's going to be like this, or I'm going to go here and it's going to feel like this, or I'm going to go to the white church because it feels like this. But it's like, in reality, that's not how it should be. That's not how we're called to be. That's not what heaven looks like. And if we're supposed to bring you know, heaven on earth, how how can I be open to yeah. to my brothers and sisters if I'm stuck in this box? Right. And do you see that happen even like in kids' ministry in church? It's funny. Change kids, if you guys are watching, whoop, whoop, I love you guys. <laughs> it's funny because when we first started the church, we've been here since... Um, since our soft launch mm -hmm. before we, you You're know. You're the OG change people. I am. OG change. Oh my, you Here know, honestly, I might be the only one left. Like, I think Doc, <laughs> I think it might be me and Doc, you know, shout out. But um, when when we first started, we were the only, it was me and Aiden, like Aiden was the only black kid mm -hmm. at Change Kids. And we had other kids that were there and I came on the team being the Change Kids leader, like mm -hmm. that's how I joined and I helped launch it and mm -hmm. it was great. 
And then watching kids interact, either they've never been around black kids this often before Mm -hmm. and they're learning Aiden and Aiden's learning, Aiden's not really being around white kids this much before. So Mm -hmm. he's learning that. And so um, being the like leader of it, molding it, not making Mm -hmm. it so much as this is a black, white thing, but hey, as a person, how would you feel if this other person did that Mm -hmm. and making it more consciously aware of, oh, well, I don't want to feel that way, so I'm not going to do that to other people. Or, you know, um, the only white kid that wanted to befriend Aiden, hey, why don't you guys, hey, we're going to play a game. How about you three play this? It's like molding and making, not forcing, but because the kid has so much fun, they're going to want to play with other kids. Uh And then you challenge them like, oh, well, let's see if this can do, if you can do this. Or, oh, hey, why don't you come over here and do that? And then even even with the parents, because, I mean, as an educator, you know you're not just teaching kids, you're teaching parents. Even when you say that, it's it's training a parent who has never been corrected before. Mm to see like, hey, when you make this statement, this is how a child feels. When you say something like this, or when you um, show, when you point out these similarities with someone, this is how the other children feel that are not like that. Mm -hmm. And that helps you open your mind to saying, oh wow, I never thought of that. And so that starts to change because now it's not, oh, well, you two have this, it's, oh my gosh, you're all girls and you have a dress on. Like, oh, that's so cool. And it's like, oh, you have pants, that's so cool, I have pants too. Like, it sounds stupid and it sounds very kiddish, but in their world, that means a lot, that you can point out things that all of them have. Make those connections where they have those things in common Mm -hmm. and, like, really build upon that. But not just off of hey, you two have the same color skin, you guys go over here and be okay with just them playing by themselves. For me, I'm not, I guess you can say I push the envelope. I'm not okay with that. I'm not okay with you thinking that um, you're the only two in your own little world that have this in common. Hey, did you know while you're playing basketball, hey, did you know that this kid likes to play basketball too, you guys should have a game together and I'm gonna play and none of you can beat me. Yes, I talk to your kids like that. None of your kids can beat me. And and that, it takes me stepping out of my comfort zone and, and understanding the bigger picture that, and which is really why I like teaching because they're not kids that I can just tell to sit over here and that be it. These are minds that are little human beings that are going to grow up. And how do I want them to behave? I don't want them to think, oh, well, when I was at church, we were over here and the black kids were over here. No, we all played together. So I don't know how, I don't know your experience. I can't relate because when I went to church, we were all together. You know, Kirby, so we've been talking about not having just one conversation, but having like a lifestyle of conversation right. about how to talk about difficult things with your kids, how to approach racism with your kids. And I love this verse from Deuteronomy 6, 4, where it ties those things together. It says this, Hear Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. And I love this next part. Impress them upon your children. Mm-hmm. Talk about them when you sit at home and you, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. I wow. love that verse because it speaks exactly to what you're talking about. You know, tie them on the door frames, run them on your wrists. You know, the way we can do that today is, you know, when you're in the car with, with, with your kids, have a conversation. Um, you know, when you're in the line at the grocery store, when we get back to, you know, you know things going green, you six know. Six feet away. Six feet away. <laughs> we don't have to be six feet away anymore. You know, when you're in the grocery line, you know, when you're at a baseball game or a volleyball game, shout out, um, you know. <laughs> Find those little ways, those little conversations, because I think those little things become big things to our students, to our kids, when mm-hmm. we make it not just a conversation, but we make it a lifestyle, make right. it a lifestyle conversation. So I want to encourage you, um, for those watching home, what are your door frames? What are the ways that you can impress right. these things upon your kids? And be you. Use your unique things. Hey, if it's Fortnite, you know, use Fortnite as a way to talk about your kids. <sighs> um, you know, each kid is unique and you know what will connect with them. So find your door frame right. for how you can impress these things upon your kids. So then it won't be right. just a one thing, but it'll be um, an everyday thing. Yeah, because it, it takes, it breaks that part. Like you hear the verse and then in the beginning, it's talking about you yeah. and what you're experiencing. And then it says, take that, and this is what you need to yeah. do to your children. It's not just take it, learn for yourself, but no, don't talk to the kids about it because they're not old enough yet yeah. or they you know, don't have a conversation with them yet. It's no, take this and impress it on your children. Yeah. It needs to be on their forehead. When people walk around and they see your child, they should know, hey, this person doesn't stand for this or this kid, wow. A yeah. kid can change, a kid yeah. can change the the world. Honestly, if you really yeah. think about it, it, it can change. And so when you, when you impress it and you teach them and you have those conversations, not saying that every conversation that you have yeah. needs to be this deep, heartfelt mm-hmm. and, and strong conversation, make it lighthearted. M- make it to where they're understanding what you're talking yeah. about. And it, yeah, even that word like impress, like impression, like right. we are impressed making an impression upon our students and our children. So mm-hmm. it's not even the things that we're, the conversations that we're having and the things that we're talking about. It's what jokes are we laughing at? You know, mm-hmm. what are they picking up on that, that, that we're doing? What are we impressing upon them um, where we can educate right. our children and our students by what we laugh at, what we don't laugh at, what we watch, what we don't watch, what mm-hmm. we allow them to watch with us, right. you know, and, and, and how we can make those ways um, and, and make that impression. I mean, you're right. You have to find something that that um, interests your child and, and pull it out and have those conversations with them. It's so important because I feel like, you know, when we make those connections with, with our kids on things that they like, um, that gives us the ability to speak into, into their life so that we can mm-hmm. share with them. Because if the only time we're talking to our kids and we're talking at them and we're not talking with them, um, I think we lose opportunities. So, Absolutely. You know, so Absolutely. hope that encourages you and blesses you. Deuteronomy 6, 4, may we impress upon our children these things, not just one time, but throughout uh, our day and through little ways that can maybe turn into um, 
a big difference. Scott, we thank you so much for Kirby. We thank you so much for our kids volunteers, for educators, and for parents, Lord, trying to navigate these conversations. Lord, may we just embrace the tension and the awkwardness and yes, be God. present, God, even if we're not perfect, and see what you can do. And we just pray for our country. We pray for our children. And we look for your Holy Spirit to bring each other together and be that bridge. May we be that bridge and see what you can do when we come together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. At Change Church, we believe in doing life together. If you want to connect with us, you can visit us online at thisischange.org or any social media platform at thisischangephl. Thanks for joining us and have an amazing week.